Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Monday, December 18th. Hold on. Let me make sure we are broadcasting live. I think we are. We are uh, scrambling again because um, right at the last minute, our phone system decided to act up almost exactly what it did on Friday. Um, I had it working earlier this morning, and then it decided not to work. So we are uh, we're going to go to Plan B again. We're going to do this on a space. I've got a couple topics here. I didn't have a lot of material prepared. It was just going to be a Monday free for all. So uh, if you've got a question, a comment, a topic, anything at all you want to talk about, jump in. Request to be a speaker. And I will bring you in. If you're new to this, once I bring you in, you've got to unmute your own mic so we can hear you. So uh, if you're new, look around somewhere on the app. You'll see request to speak. Jump in and join me. So I'll, I'll throw out. I've got three topics today I was kind of working on. I wasn't really prepared to do them as an open, but um, we'll throw them out and see if anybody's interested. Otherwise, it is a complete free for all. If you have a question, a comment, a topic, anything at all, jump in and join us. Let's see. All right. Um, I'm bringing some speakers in right now. I'll come to you guys in just a minute. I do want to get these three topics out there so people know what we could be talking about. Uh, this is an interesting one. Sometime last year, I don't remember when, I, I read a book. I don't remember why. I think somebody recommended it to me. I had never heard of the author, although he's written several books. Uh, and it was called The End of the World is Just the Beginning. And I started talking about the book even before I finished it. It, it was such a crazy premise in my mind. The the premise itself of the book seemed almost impossible. But the more I read the book, the more I was convinced the author was correct. In fact, I, I can remember coming on and saying, I, I can't believe I agree with this, but I agree with this. It, it, it makes a lot of sense and I was convinced. Now, once I finished the book and I had time to go think about it, I, I went back to my original premise that it sounded a little crazy. So here's basically what the, the premise of the book was, that our worldwide shipping infrastructure that we've built in this crazy, complicated supply chain where we build a little widget in one country and we ship it halfway around the world to another country and we build seven other pieces and ship them all in and we put it together and then we ship it someplace else and they paint it and it's just a crazy complicated global supply chain and it seems like the whole purpose is to just get every step done as cheap as possible. And as long as we can ship stuff around the world safely, it works and it seems to lower cost. I don't know. Global economics are a pretty complicated thing. That's been going on and getting more and more complicated since after World War II. And the reason in the book that he claims we were able to build this uh, this really massive infrastructure of shipping things all over the world by the oceans was because during World War II, the United States built such a massive navy 
that we could guarantee the safety of all these ships. Otherwise, shipping things on the ocean was pretty dangerous and carried a lot of risk because rogue countries and, and groups would just pirate or hijack ships. Now, I can remember a little of that. What was that in the 90s, maybe? Was it that long ago? Maybe not. The book with Tom Hanks, where Somalia was one of the countries that um, had a lot of pirates going after ships. But then it, we didn't hear much about it after that. Now, though, the premise is that because of global depopulation, that we're not going to have enough people to support this crazy global supply chain infrastructure that we've built. Now, that seemed odd because what we've been hearing forever is that there are too many people and the world's going to run out of resources. Now, it seems like it might be the opposite, that people all around the world are having fewer and fewer babies in the first world. In the third world, that's not necessarily true. We're seeing a lot of migration issues around the globe as well. But this idea that we just don't have enough people to support this supply chain sounded crazy to me. But the more I read the book, the more I believed that the author might just be onto something. And since I've read the book, I see more and more signs. J just out of the blue the other day, um, Craig Fuller, the CEO of FreightWaves, posted the book and kind of made a comment, this is happening. And there are dozens and dozens of stories right now from the Red Sea because of the Israeli-Palestine conflict. Uh, the big shipping companies are not going through the Red Sea. They're changing their shipping patterns. Now, obviously, that's not a good thing. They wouldn't, if there were better routes, they would already be taking them. So this is going to add time, complication. I'm also reading articles that we could end up in another everything shortage. The other piece of data that seems odd to me is that for the last six months or so, we've been talking a lot about layoffs and layoffs in all industries. We've focused primarily on, on trucking and freight and logistics, but you can see it across all industries, big layoffs. Uh, the problem is it doesn't seem to be making it any easier to find people to hire or to find people to work. I, I still feel like we're in the same position we were when everything was booming and you, you couldn't find employees and you couldn't find contractors. You couldn't find um, people in the trades. It's really tough to find. I've talked about it a lot. I've got two properties, actually three, that I, I could use work done on or construction done on, and I can't find anybody at almost any price. And I thought that was going to get easier with all these layoffs, but I don't really see that happening. So are we really that short on people? You know, in trucking, we, we've had a lot of capacity leave the market. It's still leaving the market. In fact, it's speeding up. And that's a good thing. In our industry, obviously, we have overcapacity. We know that. But where are these people going? I, I also have a 
small fleet I'm working on through my coaching program, um, that if I remember right, at one point they were up to 25 trucks, and now they're down to four and struggling to find drivers. And according to them, I'm, I'm working pretty closely with them on this. It, it's a driver issue. They just can't find drivers. It's a local job paying, if I remember right, almost $90,000 a year, full benefits, health insurance, vacation, 401k. Um, and they claim that there's a, a really large company in their area that does the same thing. They're 65 drivers down. None of the uh, none of the news about the economy and these things really seems to make a whole lot of sense anymore. So we can throw that one out. Um, is our global supply chain going to break down? And if it does, what's that going to do to our economy? What's it going to do to the world economy? If you have any thoughts or uh, ideas, opinions on that, jump in and join me. The other one we could um, talk about, very industry specific, the in issue of uh, transparency, the most recent uh, freight bill that the FMCSA supposedly raided offices, kicked down doors is what the press release made it sound like. Um, turns out that never happened. That was a lie. Um, nobody visited anybody's office. Nobody kicked down any doors and confiscated paperwork. Uh, it was all done electronically. There were no physical raids. I thought that was kind of odd anyway. Uh, the IRS might do that once in a while, but I couldn't imagine the FMCSA kicking down doors. I don't think we've issued guns to them yet. Uh, there's there's still a lot up in the air about that. They The freight bill we know has some accessorials and some lumpers that would absolutely change the percentage that the broker kept. There's never been a clear indicator of how much the broker kept. We know how much the carrier received, but that doesn't tell us that the broker got the rest, especially since we know there is a lumper fee, but we don't know how much and there are accessorials. We don't know how much. So there's still details that we need to know to know. Let me take a step back. The claim is on this particular freight bill from TQL that the 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 carrier only received, I might get my numbers backwards, 56%. They're claiming the broker kept 44, something like that. But that may not be true. So when you ask for the documents, then they say, oh, well, there's confidentiality. We can't do that. Well, you've already broken the confidentiality of the contract. We know who the carrier is. We know who the shipper is. We know who the broker is. We know what the margin was without the details, but they're screaming now, no, we can't show that it's confidential. Well, it's not confidential anymore. So that makes you believe they don't want to show the details because it doesn't fit their narrative. Now, I'll go back to this. I don't care if it turns out the broker did keep 44%. Good for them. That's how business works. We all work to maximize our profit. I've never once heard a carrier say, wow, you know, they're giving me four bucks a mile. That's way more than what I need. That's way above average. I'm going to give some back. Nobody does that. Nobody should do that. So if the broker did get 44% or whatever the number might have been on this one, well, well, good for them. So what? That's how business works. That's how it should work. In my opinion, I've said it many times, transparency is just a race to the bottom. We can talk about that. If you've got thoughts or opinions, 
still bringing speakers in. So if you want to join us, request that. We'll get to them in just a minute. Then the final um, issue I'll throw out that I've been talking a lot and posting a lot about is the independent contractor rule. Uh, the good news for trucking is we have a fairly easy fix, although I'm not sure how long that fix might last. I think the government may even try to shut that down. That would take a while, though, a couple of years at least. The the fix for the trucking industry, and it's still a major change. If they actually rule that the independent contractor rule in trucking doesn't stand because when you lease to a fleet, one of the things they're arguing is you are no longer free to use that equipment to service any other companies. And that's true. We used to trip lease. So it used to be very common that you could be leased to a carrier. But if you wanted to pull freight for another carrier, you could do it through a trip lease. And it was really you signed a contract to pull one load for somebody else. And we used to have you know, temporary placards you would throw on the door to see who you were uh, pulling for. And that I've heard several reasons why that went away. I've heard insurance. I heard something else the other day, and I can't remember what it was. I, I'm going to actually reach out to one of the law firms I work with in the industry and see if I can get a really clear answer on why we stopped trip leasing. If anybody knows for sure, um, jump in and let me know. So I am a big believer in the independent contractor rule. I, I think you should be allowed, adults should be allowed to choose how they want to work and how they want to get paid. We have framework and laws that have been around as long as I can remember. It is still basically the 21 question test from the IRS. Many of the big fleets have passed this test several times. I know FedEx has been through this. Um, Many times over the last 30 years, I've been following it. They always seem to write a big enough check to the IRS to make the issue go away. I have a lot more I could say about that, but I think I'll take a, a, a break here and uh, we'll jump in and we'll hear from some speakers, see who wants to talk about these issues or anything else you want to talk about. So jump in and join me. All right. First up. Michael, jump in and join us here. Unmute yourself. Michael? There, there we go. go. How are all you, right. sir? Doing good. What's on your mind um, this morning? Um, I, we're, selling our, we're closing on our uh, residence today. Uh, back about four years ago, I had a realtor do a CMA on it, and she figured about $89,000. It's an old house. It's in the flood zone hasn't been flooded in 50 years just to put it in perspective but uh, we're closing on it today she estimated 89 pre-covid we just closed today or we are closing today we sold the house for 180 wow and um I'm going to recapture some of the money that I spent flipping the house in the last year but I'm going to have probably about 130 laying around that we're going to use for when we pre-retire in a year or two and move okay. down to like Virginia Beach area. So I want to kind of shelter that money somewhere safe. I don't trust treasury bonds or anything because I'm afraid, you know, with the, the debt that our government's in, I don't, I don't trust that they couldn't pull a fast one. Maybe I'm being too paranoid, but 
I know you're pretty smart on all this. So where should I sock this like 130 away? So one of the things I will say right now is that you, you are on the right track, whether it's treasury bonds, the stock market, cryptocurrencies. I mean, every investment, even real estate, every investment I look at right now is way too volatile and too unpredictable. Nothing about what's going on in the stock market makes any sense right now. Nothing about what's going on in the real estate market makes any sense. I certainly wouldn't be messing with treasury bills or anything backed by our government right now. There is good news. There there is good news. A year ago, you just would have been out of luck. There was like no place to park money a year ago that made any sense. You might as well just have buried it in your backyard. Um, The good news now is, um, how old are you, by the way? I'll be 59 next week. Oh, you broke up a little bit. Say it again. I'll be, I'm 59. Okay. All right. And you're talking about kind of pre-retiring, maybe slowing down some. Um, I don't know. My health is going to make me retire eventually. I'm going to keep working as long as I can. But we just want to move down like Virginia Beach, Norfolk area to kind of like pre-retire before we retire so we can start generating a work base down there. Got it. And okay. uh, just so when we do, I think the housing market's going to take a big ass crap. I, and that's when we're going to buy. It almost seems impossible that it won't. I know there are still a, a lot of people, even people that follow that market that think it's not going to happen. I, 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 And that's part of the problem with everything being so volatile. There's just too many unknowns right now, too many things we've never seen before. So I, I think your your timing is good. You sold when you still got a really nice price on your property. Sitting on the money makes sense. Here's what I would do. It. I, I would just go open a, a brokerage account anywhere, uh, Merrill Lynch, someplace like that. And they all have what's called a money market fund. And the money market at a brokerage account is similar to a savings account at a bank. The money is not at any kind of risk, and you have a stated interest rate that it will pay. And as, as long as that interest rate is there, that, that's how much money you're receiving. Um, there, might be, there might be some indication that you could also buy a one-year CD with the money right now, or even an 18-month CD. It looks like the Fed has stopped raising interest rates and they are now talking about maybe cutting interest rates. Yeah, and the reason is they, they were raising interest rates because the economy was too hot. We were couldn't get workers. There were shortages of everything. Inflation was going through the roof. That's when they raise interest rates to try to slow it down. Well, it, it worked and along with a bunch of other things. And now the economy is slowing down too fast. So now I think they might start cutting interest rates. So if they're going to cut interest rates, then a one year or a, a 18 month or even a two year CD might make some sense. Because once you buy that, you lock in at today's rate. Whereas if you park it in a money market fund, you'll get that rate today. But as rates start to go down, the money market adjusts almost instantly. Does that all make sense? Yeah. Who backs up the CD? Uh, unstable bank? It, it is. It, it's really just a savings. A certificate of deposit is what it is. So yeah. your money is still in the bank. 
and the this the certificate of deposit shows you that you have that money it's in the bank and it's earning this much interest up until this day and then you can take the money back out and do anything you want with it if you do it prior to that day you'll pay a, a penalty you won't get all your interest so they're yeah. completely safe and and they also they also carry the same insurance um, so it, it's really one of the few places you can put some money right now without a lot of risk. Now, the question you, is, I you, thought about dividing that up amongst different banks. And, and, and um, I, I don't know that I would go through that hassle because you're okay. protected in one bank the same way you would be in four. You're, you're just going to complicate things. What you could split it up is you could take some of that money, say half, and put it into a CD so you lock in some of it, leave the other in the money market for a while and watch what happens to the rates. If they do start to go okay. down, maybe then you take it and lock in a CD. Okay. All Other right. than that, there is there Sounds is simple no, enough. no place at all I would even consider parking money except maybe in my home safe. Well, I got some of that going on, too. Yeah. I like dabbling with some precious metals, not, you know, a couple hundred bucks like every other week. Yeah, I like my okay. silver. Well, there you go. And it sounds like you're fairly diversified. So I would dump this into a money market or a CD or both. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. All right. Uh, if you want to jump in, I am adding speakers here as we go. Next up, Lane, welcome. Make sure you uh, unmute yourself and jump in and let me know what's on your mind today. Hey, Kevin Lane here. I'm uh, I'm new to this podcast and I'm just going to listen today if that's okay. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So you didn't want to be a speaker? <laughs> yeah, I bumped that by accident. Oh, that's I'm okay. Sorry. That's all right. I'll take you out of there. No problem. Uh, sit back and relax and enjoy. All right. Um, I'm going to bring somebody in who I believe we're going to spend some time on the independent contractor rule. Um, we were actually working on setting up a scheduled space to discuss this topic this week, but uh, I'm here. We threw that out. Rich is here, so we can talk about it right now. Rich, unmute yourself and jump in here with us. Hey, Kevin, how you doing? Doing good. What's on your mind this morning? I wanted to talk to you about um, the New Jersey Department of Labor coming after STG for <laughs> worker misclassification. Now, I know that you believe that the least owner-operator is an independent contractor, but I disagree with you because I did that whole least owner-operator stuff for four years, and my lease contract, you know, basically, I'm going to start with this. If the if I own the truck, first of all, I think the motor carrier should be signing the truck driver's lease agreement because they are the owner of the truck, correct? Who is the owner of the, the truck? driver? If a driver is an owner operator, yeah. Yeah. they're supposed to yeah, be supplying on the title. Correct. So the whole system is skewed in the right off the bat because all these motor carriers here at the ports of New York and New Jersey are having the owner operators sign their lease agreement you know it's in reverse if you go to penske they're signing penske's lease agreement so wait 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 hold hold on i want to make sure i'm understanding what you're saying the 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 lease agreement is between the carrier 
and the independent contractor, and it states all the rules about how this is going to work. It, I'm, but I'm not understanding what your issue with this. What's wrong with signing a contract? Because the person designed the contract, creating it, is going to create it in a way that's going to protect them at the expense so, of the truck leaser. So negotiate it then. I've negotiated contracts with carriers many times. And that's the issue right there. If you are a one-truck owner-operator, what type of leverage do I have to negotiate with a motor carrier who's receiving applicants and and, and potential uh, other owner-operators applying to work for them? You know, they could just tell me to kick rocks. Yeah, of course they can. And it's a free market. They should be able to. And I've always wanted to be a rock star. But nobody will hire me. There's all kinds of competition, and nobody will hire me, mostly because I can't sing. I suck. Well, <laughs> so so what what's wrong with the carrier saying we have lots of people who want to contract with us, and we're full. We don't want to contract with anybody else. I, the issue is leverage, though. You know, when you go to Penske well, or Ryder, I, I have lots of leverage. I can just say I don't want to contract with you because I don't like your contract. And I've, I've, I have all I've the actually, leverage I've I need. I've actually tried that. I've actually, you know, I've called the motor carrier and asked them for, you know, if I could work with them. And then I told the recruiting lady that I want them to sign my lease contract. And she practically just, you know, hung up the phone. So, you know, if I try that. So, Rich, Rich, why do you think you can force somebody to sign your contract? I'm the truck Nobody's owner. forcing you to signing theirs. Well, right. But you, so what? They don't want to work with you. So if I go to if so I go what? to nobody should be forced. If, if I go to Penske and tell them to sign my lease contract, they're going to tell me to kick rock. So why is the relationship in reverse it, when it comes to the lease owner operator uh, contract model? Yep. Nothing's in reverse. Everybody is an independent business owner or human being. They all get to choose who they want to work with. You're asking somebody to, to be forced to accept your contract. They, they don't want to. Or you haven't done a good enough job of selling them on why they should. Well, it, it, that's, it, that's all, it, all, comes down, it all comes down to leverage. To be able though. to sell their... You keep saying leverage. Exactly. That, that's that's so the important part right truck. there. What, what leverage don't I have? I have all the leverage I need. I can choose to sign somebody's contract. I can choose to attempt to negotiate that contract <laughs> and sell them on my services, or I can go somewhere else. Where what else are you going to go, though, if all of them want you to sign their contract? You have to sign a contract, and if you don't like their contract, go find a different. But they're all designed the same way. No, they're, they're all designed by rich. the carrier leasing. That's, that's that is absolutely not true. Yeah, they're they written all, by all the, the carrier. All of the contract, so all the contract says that we have to have exclusive use and possession of your truck. As long as you're leased to yeah. us, you cannot freelance your services to any other motor carrier. That right off the bat that's takes correct. away your independence but the irs has said for 30 years that doesn't change the rule but the irs does not regulate labor the labor department does then the department of labor still says that's a legal independent contract exactly and there's no enforcement and now the department of jersey no, new jersey is there to enforce Rick? <laughs> they, it is a legal contract as the rule stands right now the department of labor oh, and God, the irs I, I, agree 
that if I own the equipment, I can lease it to a carrier under all of these rules, and I am still an independent contractor. Hey, Kevin, what, you I got to go, man. I'm at, I'm at work, all right? Like the law. I got to go. I'm at work, all right? I'll talk to you later. All Take right. care. Well, that was frustrating. Um, Neil, I know that uh, you've been following this issue too. Jump in here and uh, give me your opinion of all that. Neil, are you there? Uh, I hope I don't lose you. There you go. There you go. I missed half of it, but I'm sure like most of his story is the same. I can sum it up really simple. Here's his only, seems to be his only argument about why this should all be illegal because the, the carrier wants him to sign their contract and, and they won't sign his contract. So my point was, well, then you either sign their contract or you go find somebody else's or you convince somebody to sign yours. But for some reason, because you have to sign their contract, he thinks this should just all be illegal, I guess. But then uh, the more I questioned him, the he just said he's got to go to work. So, I mean, I, I'm kind of lost because I know I don't fit in the parameters for this debate hardly at all. I mean, I am leased on to two carriers, so I guess I can freelance trucks. I just bought more than one. And then well, I you bring up a, it, and then I have employees yeah. that are under a W-2. Everyone including myself, works for my company and gets a W-2. So how do, how do I fit into these regulations? Well, you don't. And you bring up a good point that I didn't even get to because he wouldn't address my first couple of issues. And that is that the Department of Labor still agrees this is a legal contract between a carrier and a, an owner of a truck. The IRS still agrees with it. I know they're trying to change the laws. That's why we're debating it. I don't want to see them changed. You know, here's the thing. I, I know Rich is a big union guy. He, he wants people in the union. He wants people, he wants workers to organize and, and negotiate and collective bargaining. That's fine. That's all legal. Go do it. I'm wondering why he wants to take away our choice of being an independent contractor if we choose to be. And the only thing I can gather is he tried it for four years, but now he doesn't agree with the contract. Well, well, why the hell did you sign it and do it for four years then? It doesn't make any well, sense to me. Either sign it, it or was, don't. Well, if it wasn't a good contract, why didn't he go find another one? Well, or, I mean, why did he sign it in the first place? I don't understand this. If you don't like what a company is offering, go somewhere else. But then his argument is, well, they're all the same. Well, no, they're not. They're nothing the same. FedEx is wildly different than Landstar, which is different than Swift. And it, they're all completely different contracts. His, his thought, though, is they all wrote them for their benefit. Well, of course they did. Why would they write them for anybody else's benefit? So you either look at it and decide it works for you or not. And if not, go somewhere else. Well, and then I, I think and I, I could benefit from there if they go into the AB5 thing or they go all the way there. But I, I think the discussion needs to be removed from the trucking side of it and to really say these are contracts between businesses. That, yeah, that's you know, it, and yeah, so the, yeah, I could be a cleaning company. It's the same thing. Right. You know, I could contract with one one high rise building to use my company to exclusively clean their building. I, and, and that happens it, a lot. You know, and that would be entirely legal. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I see my position in this as more of a um, 
uh, more like an employment agency than a trucking company, but that yeah, happens to have trucks. You know what? It all, well, I'll go back to one thing you said, because it, it is a good point. He said you're, you're, you can't contract with anybody else. Well, you can. You just can't contract that piece of equipment. But like you said, if you have multiple trucks, there was a time when I had trucks leased out to four different companies. It was a stupid time for me, but I had trucks leased out to four different companies with employee drivers that I hired and paid them as employees. I had trucks under their own authority and I had trucks under a private contract all at the same time. Nothing in the law stopped me from doing that. I could contract with as many people as I wanted to. Uh, you know what I what it seems to me like that that every time, whether we're arguing about transparency or this independent contractor rule, what it seems to me is it seems to be people who have failed at this model and then they want the model to just go away because they can't figure out how to succeed at it. What about all the people that are succeeding and doing just fine? What about the independent contractors at FedEx who have 30 trucks make multi-millions of dollars a year, and this has been their family business for 30 years now? We just want to put them out of business? Yeah, and like you said, every contract is wildly different. Yeah, I mean, I have, I, I have one contract that I'm under where we sign rate cons and I turn them into them as long as the brokers are credit approved. So we're, we're doing contract freight on one side of it. We're doing broker freight on the other. And then I've got trucks somewhere else with probably my less desirable drivers where I don't touch anything. I hand them the truck and the driver and I just kind of oversee what they're doing. And we have a fixed contract rate, right. which is still way above market right now. Right. You know, the, it, those trucks are doing like 230 a mile and I don't touch nothing. You know, the, you know? Well, it, it, the issue is every time you ask these people, why do you want this to be illegal or go away? If you don't like it, then just don't do it. What good would it do, Rich? Rich, as far as I know now, is a, a union driver in the pier. I don't know. I think that's what he is. Um, or maybe he still has a truck. I don't know. And he took off too fast for me to ask. I was going to ask that. But if he didn't like this model, it didn't work for him. And now he he thinks all drivers should be in collective bargaining. Well, well you can. That option is open to you. Why do you want to take this option away from us? I'd much rather be able to compete and outperform and make my own deals. I seem to do okay with it. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to bring bring another speaker in here. We're getting a bunch of requests. Yeah. Trucker Confidential, you're up next. Hi. How are you guys? I just wanted to add my two cents real quick about the topic. So sure. um, I, I have a truck, right? Uh, it's a paid-off truck, and I've been with a main carrier for like five or six years, and they don't mind me leasing on to another carrier for the holiday season. Uh, and the other carrier is my friend's basically company and I do Amazon there for the holidays and then I just go back to my regular carrier without um, ending the contract with either of them. So the only thing I do is just I replace the signs on the door and theoretically I can have an issue with the insurance company for the if anything happens to the truck because initially I purchased uh, physical insurance while I was at my first carrier. This is the only concern, but nobody stops you. Not, not my first carrier, not my second carrier. They don't mind that I'm leased on to one or another. 
See, that's interesting. And I want to find out what the legalities are about this. We trip leasing used to be a very, very common thing. Uh, I was an agent at one time for a carrier and almost every load I placed for that carrier, we did it with a trip lease. So I had magnetic signs. I had an office near a truck stop. I'd book a load with somebody. They'd pull in. We'd handle the paperwork. We'd stick our signs on their door and off they would go with our freight. That that was a really common occurrence back then. And it just kind of went away. And I never understood why it went away. But somebody, when I asked about it once, said it was an insurance thing. Uh, So I'm going to do a little digging and find out about that. It, It sounds like you're doing it. And nobody seems yeah, to have a problem with it. The, the thing is, it's all about your uh, carriers that you work with. Uh, it's exactly like you said. It's about the contract. So the carrier, the big one that I uh, I do, like I pull kind of stole the trailer. So they don't mind. They trust me that I'm going to come back and that, like, I'm not going to rip, rip them off on, like, you know, any violations, any stuff like that. And the owner of the company, he initially told me, look, if anything happens to you while uh, to the truck, sorry about the sound, uh, if anything ha- happens uh, while you're driving, while you're loaded under another, I think you theoretically may have some issues with the insurance, but it's a kind of a gray area, but there is nothing that prevents you legally to do so. And the, the owner of the, my first carrier, he has like 150 trucks and he's been in business since 2007. So I, I trusted him that he knows what he is talking about. Yeah, you know, my only advice in a situation like this is, is for your protection on, on your equipment. Um, you should be under um, liability and cargo which with whichever carrier you're contracted to at the time. I would call my insurance agent and just make sure that you were protected for physical damage and those kind of things on your own vehicle. And again, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some more digging and find out you know what the what all the rules are about this and how insurance works and all that. So thanks for jumping in. I'm gonna bring in the next speaker. Uh, Pete, it looks like you are up. Go ahead and uh, unmute yourself and jump in and tell us what's on your mind this morning. I want to make a comment about the guy that called in from the New Jersey area and his frustrations and uh, just share a bit of my experience. Uh, I've been trucking for nine years now. I got a CDL nine years ago, and I knew I wanted to lease on with a company um, I had heard about, you know, how great it was, the kind of money you could make, you know, home nightly, et cetera. And uh, so I, but they needed, you know, they wanted to see two years of over the road experience. So I did that. So the minute I had two years, I, you know, left the first job and signed on with this company, got myself a, a cheap truck. And I've been with that company for seven years. And, uh, you know, I, like I said, I'm, I'm learning about a lot of stuff, you know, as I go along. And uh, I thought the, 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 the impression I got was, hey, I'm going to own my own truck. I'm going to be my own entity. And these people are going to give me freight. And they're going to just give me freight and let me do my thing. Well, it, it was a bit of a rude awakening when I had, you know, certain people talk to me. Uh, you know, I, I felt like it was inappropriately dispatched, you know, and I, I let them know right away. I said, listen, you know, you guys are not going to talk to me this way. This is a business relationship, you know, et cetera, et cetera. 
Right. And um, it took a while, uh, but I realized more and more that, you know what, I am being treated like an employee around here. When, whenever they needed something, they called meetings and you had to go to the meeting. Whenever we drivers, and I'm talking 100 trucks, whenever we had some concerns, uh, you know, nobody ever got to call a meeting, nobody, you know, so it, it, it dawned on me that, you know what, this is, I'm just basically an employee, but they're giving me a whole bunch of money to take care of my own truck and so forth. And this is just the way it is. And you know what? I had to just accept it, that that was just the way it is. And I think that's what, you, what you're basically saying to people yeah. like this guy that called. Well, you know, you, you sign a contract, you do it this way, you do it their way ultimately, and you either like it or you don't. Correct. And you can negotiate. You can build relationships. You can't. And I, I understand what you say when you're stuck with it. You're, you either decide you're going to stay there on that contract or you're not. You're not stuck with it. You go somewhere exactly. else. You could go get your own authority. You could, there's lots of things. But but let's they're making it sound like because there's all these restrictions, you're not an independent business. Well, well that's a faulty premise because let's take the most restrictive system I've ever seen in business, and they're called franchises. I might have to invest a million dollars or more into a franchise, and yet I have zero control on how I run that business. I, I don't even get to pick what clothes I want to wear or what clothes my employees wear. I don't get to say when I can put something on sale and when I can't put it on sale. I can't decide to change the secret sauce on the burger because I have something better. But I am completely an independent business. So there is nothing about their premise that because they maintain so much control, I'm not an independent business. Just look at franchises and they are obviously legal and they are a huge part of our economy. Yeah, you it's uh, for me, it was just the realization that this is the way it is, you know, right. Um, right. And I had false ideas when I first, you know, leased on. And when I made the decision, I had just false ideas. I thought, hey, I'm, this is, you know, ultimately what I'm trying to say is this, is that if I don't like these conditions, it's like you say, I can move on. And this is exactly what I'm in the process of doing right now is I'm getting my own authority. And uh, then I will be my own entity. And then I have to go out and work on some, you know, relationships with direct yes. shippers or brokers, and then they give me, you know, the assignment, and then I take care of the assignment. Um, yeah. And, and you, know. Pete, you know what the beauty of all this is for me? I, I um, like to believe that we live in a free country. Rich from New Jersey is completely free to go be an employee somewhere. He's completely free to join a union. Now he's going to say, well, this company isn't union. Well, we'll go find one that is. Yeah. It, it's like saying this company won't sign my contract. Well, well, they don't have to. You would have to sell them on signing your contract. So, but, so he's free to be an employee. He's free to join a union. You're free to be an independent contractor leased to a carrier if you choose. And now you're also free to go get your own authority and become your own carrier. What is wrong with the system where we all have those choices? Why do some people want to take away our choices? Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's just for this guy particularly, and it was for me also, is a bit of a sticking point, you know, a sticking point. I'm a little bit stuck in my own thinking. Uh, 
you know, and, and that's the problem. And it's the same thing. And I'm just going to say this, you know, uh, save it for another day. But the, 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 the thing with the brokers, how a lot of people have issues with brokers and transparency, uh, transparency. I think it's a bit of a sticking point for some people. They think this is the way it should be. And it just isn't, you know, so I need to change my thinking, um, put myself into a, a different position situation and, and and then move along and you know what i mean go about it in a different way yeah we we all have choices but i, I some people get so blinded by they think this is wrong well, well there's nothing wrong with this setup that he just described yeah. it's just another option hey kevin you know i think he had a good point there about the um the the going in with false expectations yeah and the carriers may have uh, some liability in this oh that because could be. the, because the way they're selling this to get people to sign up for lease purchases bleeds over right. to leasing on what, what, and they what, they what create those expectations marketing? well yeah but it's it's a lot of it's pretty uh they're making some really bad representations and, and I, re I really making it sound a lot better than it is or I, I minimizing the risk. I completely agree with that. Don't we have great tools, especially today, much more so than ever? Can't we go on social media? Can't we join groups to find out these things? I, I mean, we could know this about virtually any carrier up front. If you can't figure out from their actual contract by reading it that there are things in the contract that not necessarily what they were trying to tell me in their marketing but it, we're adults, and beyond that, we're not consumers. We are business owners. This is a business-to-business -business contract. There, there isn't a lot of protection from that, and there shouldn't be. But, but as a reasonably intelligent adult, how could we not figure this out? Probably because it's in the name. It's super ego. You know, you've got your your ego in it. It's. Uh, it can't well, be a bad deal. They just didn't do it right. I, well then, I can just do it better. Well, then let me ask you this, and I, I'm pretty sure I know your answer. I, even if we agree that that's a problem, they're, they're over-marketing, there's too much hype, it's not really the truth. Um, I, is there any regulation or law we could ever write that's going to fix this? Oh, I highly doubt it, because I yeah, can't, what, what do you, right. you can't, can't regulate stupidity. It's not exactly. or ignorance. Yeah. Yeah. The word, I guess. yeah, you're never going to write it. And that's what they want. They want more regulations. The problem is their regulations always take away our choices. I just give me all the choices. Let me figure it out myself. Well, and then the belief is because I spent X number of dollars to invest in this equipment, I should be guaranteed a living wage or a profit or, yeah, you know, yeah, or a fair result work that way. And if you want a guaranteed wage or a living wage or a certain amount of profit or, or whatever, it, it, there are jobs where you can do that. You can hey, go to a union and be guaranteed uh, you're going to get paid X per hour. Go do that then. Come work for me. My drivers are making six figures. There, there it's you go. far, there, far there, better there. than most owner operators. I, I don't understand a mentality where we want to keep minimizing and eliminating our choices. If you don't like a certain choice, just don't do that one. But don't take it away from me. Yeah, I think you got a guy with his hand up. I think his arm is getting a little sore. 
All right, let's uh, bring him back in here. Trucker, confidential. Yeah, I just didn't want to interrupt you guys, you know. Okay. <laughs> I, I have a, uh, I would love to ask this rich guy a question. If he would open his own authority, invested God knows how much money, keeping it running, and then somebody from the street calls him and tells him, look, I want to lease on to you, and here is the contract I want you to sign <laughs> on. You know, th- this is like the care takes risks. <laughs> With the, like, you can list on to somebody and create a bunch of mess and like get blacklisted by a bunch of brokers, get a lot of violations and stuff like that, and then just leave, switch to another carrier. And I don't know how he can reasonably expect any carrier to sign God knows what, you know. Right. Well, and here's the thing. And that's a great analogy, by the way. Thank you for that. Here's the thing. The carrier can present their contract to Rich. Rich can read the contract and say, oh, no, hell no, I'm not signing that. It's horrible for me. Then he could attempt to negotiate it if he wants. He probably won't succeed, but he could certainly attempt. And then if he doesn't like it, he can walk away. Well, the same thing is true here. Like you just said, he could present his contract to anybody and they have a choice to say yes or no. But but it's a it's a really good example of if he were to ever become a carrier and wanted to lease on owner operators, I'm sure he's going to want to write his own contract. And the same goes for the brokers. When you get like when I get a rate con and I, I go to Google to read reviews on the shipper or, or receiver. And before I tell my dispatch to sign it and send it back over, uh, I would read the reviews, and if I see somebody stays like, oh, it takes like six hours, it takes 10 hours to get unloaded, I would call back the broker and tell them, look, these are the reviews, and I don't like it. We need to agree on the detention right now and put it on current rate con, yeah. and it doesn't matter what, what says the initial agreement between the carrier and the broker. And most of them say, yeah. Nobody tells me, like, you go kick rocks. Unless they have a lot of calls for that particular yeah, vote. Of course. And then that's the way it should work. Thanks for that. Great comments. All right. Let's uh, let's go to Fred this time. Fred, good morning. Unmute yourself and jump in here with your opinion. Boy, the delay is... Uh, I got to get better at my timing when I do that. Fred, are you there? Yes. Hey, good morning, Kevin. Hey, good morning, everybody. Nice, there you to, are. nice to see you guys. I was... My internet service here in New York is not the greatest, so sometimes my lag is a little bit, a little bad off too. Um, Got it. You know, this is uh, this is a a uh, a subject that I'm very well aware of of the other side's opinion. Um, I'll have to say, as as being a carrier uh, since 2008, I I really don't go spend a lot of time like like trucker does as far as googling. Googling places. I've been doing this so long that when we talk and we negotiate a price on a load, the customer mind, I say, listen, uh, after two hours, we should have some kind of compensation. Whether that be $10 or $100, that's up for negotiation. So I do that right off the bat with every single load. And if they tell me, listen, I'm sorry, it's first come, first serve when I was doing flatbeds, I say, you know what? It's a load that gets me where I want to go. I took that. I took that as as good faith, and I dealt with the situation at hand when I got there. So th- this is another way of stra- another strategy you can use when you are negotiating rates and lanes and stuff like that. So just to throw that out there. 
Absolutely. Let me um, here's something else. It it seems to me and I talk about this a lot. I I get that the American dream is to own a business and everybody wants the freedom and the opportunities to make a gazillion dollars. I've been an entrepreneur. I've been self-employed my whole life. I get it. I love that model. Unfortunately, what we see from these people, and and it seems to be across the board, whether it's the group that wants broker transparency, um, groups that want the independent contractor model to just go away completely, it, it seems what they all want is they want the all the benefits and rewards of being in business, but they don't want any of the risk or the work. And they want this level playing field with guarantees that because they bought a truck, they're going to get treated a certain way. They're going to get a certain amount of income. Expenses shouldn't be this high. They want these guarantees. Well, first off, there are no guarantees in life, period. But if you want those, go be an employee somewhere. But stop trying to take away the opportunities that we have to actually run a business. Business is competitive. It should be competitive. That's what makes us all better. And I don't want level playing fields. I want the fact that I've put, I've busted my ass my whole life to become a good business owner. And now I get the rewards from that. And there are people in groups that want to take those rewards away. And and I will fight this to the end. Fred, go ahead. Well, to your point, um, this is this is a product of society in general. People go to college, and we can get into that conversation another day, but they go to college, they get out of college in monstrous debt, and they expect to make the same money when they go to a firm or, or an office space as someone who's been there 15 years. So this is an entitlement entitlement society that we have to number one and number two those of you who don't know me i those of you who do know me can attest to this i always say i'm never in competition with anyone i am never in competition i do my own thing i make my own deals and i don't care what the guy next to me is doing i'll help the guy next to me but i'm not looking at the guy next to me to 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 better my maybe to better myself but not to not to compensate him you know, I'll I'll go to another issue that makes people crazy when I talk about this, but it's kind of the same thing in, in my mind. Um, as far as I'm concerned, there should be no such thing as a minimum wage. I, I should be able to, and I look at this from my advantage, not as a problem. Uh, there have been jobs, not anymore, but when I was younger and I wanted jobs and they were minimum wage, they were hard to get. That we were in a really bad economy and you could fill out 30 applications all for minimum wage jobs and not get a single phone call back. At that point, I would have been willing to work for less. But I, it was illegal. It was illegal for me to say, look, I'll come and work for you for half that. I, I need a job. I need some money. Let me prove myself. Eventually, you'll pay me more, I promise. But, but just give me a chance. So I, I don't even like minimum wage laws. All right, oh, I can gonna, agree with that 100%. Go ahead. We're, yeah, we're going to bring in another speaker here. TJ, good morning. Welcome. What's on your mind this morning? Boy, there really is a lag T- when I do this. Yeah, TJ, he just T- came up on the stage for me. TJ, go ahead. Oh, hey, sorry. I was just on a call, and uh, oh, I've seen like three things at once. But, hey, I just jumped up here to say hi to you, Fred. How you doing, Fred? <laughs> 
I'm good, TJ. I'm good. I've been kind of busy just kind of living life and enjoying my grandkids. So, um, you know, this is not fair, though. I've been off for two and a half, almost three months, and no one's giving me a paycheck, Kevin and TJ. So what, what's that? What's that about? Well, you definitely earned one. Well, why did you must not have negotiated that in your contract? I really have to speak to my boss about this. Yeah, I think Come so. On. Hey, how you doing, TJ? How's, uh, how's the weather out there? On oh, the- it's good. It's good. Yeah. I'm a little bit further south in California, but uh, or down south. Down, I'm in southern, southern California. But yeah, no, the weather's great. That's so, the one it, thing if I have to miss about California, that is it. So, so TJ, yeah. were you on the call at the beginning? Did you hear Rich from New Jersey? No, I missed. I just, as soon as I jumped onto this, I so, pressed for speaker so I could, uh, you know, hear better. It, 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 like, if you're a speaker, you're like three or four seconds ahead of the conversation. Uh, God. So I, I want to throw this by you because you have a great perspective on this because you've seen this issue from every angle. So Rich is really fighting against the independent contractor rule. He doesn't think it should be legal to lease a truck to a carrier, that you should just have to go become a carrier yourself. And the only answer I could get from him as to why he thought it should be illegal is because he claims that they will force you to sign their contract, the one they wrote, but they wouldn't sign your contract if you approached them with a contract, they they would choose not to sign it. So because of that, he thinks the whole rule should just be illegal. Well, the uh, I think I posted about this as well, that there's different levels in all business. There's different levels to each you know business model. You don't have to, I mean, you can be a, a, a laborer, right? And that requires a certain amount of credentials, or you could be, become the general contractor. And that requires a whole bunch of different credentials. So in trucking, we have, we have these levels very much ironed out. You can be a company driver. You can step it up from there and buy your own truck. You still own the asset. Business is about assets and liabilities and a balance sheet. You can have a balance sheet and be leased on to someone else's authority. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just a lower level than stepping it up to the next level where you go get your own authority. You know, and then some people they'll go get their own authority and they'll power only someone else's trailer, right? So that that's another break, another tier where you don't own your own trailer. There's nothing wrong with that. These are all just levels. <laughs> And if you choose, like the model Rich likes, Rich likes unions and collective bargaining, and he has that option. He can go do that. And what you just outlined, it was exactly my point. We have all of these different options to choose from. Why is that a bad thing? And why do some people want to take these options away from us? Yeah, no, well, I mean, like some contractors, they rent their own tools. They don't go buy a generator for the job site. They just rent the generator from someone else, right? That's a, just telling someone they have to have their own authority. It's kind of like telling someone they have to own all their own excavators, right? That's, that's not the way it works because there's yeah. so much. Not some people ha- are capitalized in a certain way. Other people are capitalized in another way, right? So the beauty of leasing on to mm-hmm. someone else is your barrier to entry is really low. You could still run a business. You still, you, you still, you know, you still run the truck. You still, you still manage the engine. 
I, I have to interrupt you here because I, I've been going back and forth with Rich from New Jersey for a couple of months on different uh, issues. He, here's his belief by far that the Motor Carrier Act of 1980 was the worst thing that ever happened. We should have never deregulated trucking and all of the problems in trucking. I've seen him make this statement. They all are because the barrier to entry is too low. And I've tried to ask him many, many times, tell me what barrier you would put in place. And he can't come up with a single answer. And my answer is always none. Don't put any barriers in. Let everybody get into business and the market will sort it out. Yeah, no, that's exactly how it works um, is the market sorts all this out. But it, it, see, first of all, that Motor Carrier Act in 1980 is just a talking point that certain people that are above rich, like his, you know, his masters or his his leadership, they come up with that. And then that's what they spew. And then and then and then their followers do it, too. There's a couple others in that same group. They say the same thing about that, that 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 has no bearing in today's world. Right. And if you want to go get your own authority. By all means, you can. What's the difference if we flooded the market with a bunch of lease contractors or we flooded the market with a bunch of brand new authorities? They complain about the brand new authorities and they complain about the lease operators and they complain about the company drivers. So basically, they, they, the only thing they don't complain about is like union jobs. Right. And so they're like pro. Yeah, how you pro union, but then say we, everyone needs to have their own authority. Those are wildly different ends of the spectrum, right? You can't the union yeah. and a brand new authority are miles apart, right? And so yeah, you know, right. so if all the low barriers to entry are letting all these new authorities happen, then 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 that's fine. He should just go do that if that's what you want to do. But if you want the protections and safety nets of a union, well, then go work for the union. But you can't have it both ways. Well, and, and my point to him, and after I made this point, he said he had to go back to work and he jumped off. Um, if he thinks that these lease contracts with a carrier are so restrictive that it makes you an employee, I wanted to ask him what he thought about franchises. I mean, there are franchises that are millions of dollars just to buy into, and you have zero decision-making. You don't get to put a burger on sale if the franchise says you're not putting a burger on sale. You don't get to change the ketchup recipe. You you don't get to change anything. It's the most restrictive business yep. A contract I've ever seen, and yet that is a huge part of our economy. Yeah, there's a there's a guy in my town that just franch opened a restaurant. It's a franchise, and he's got five of them. He's got three in Fresno and two on the Central Coast, and it's a franchise, and it's a fabulous place because why? Because that guy's managing it. Yes, he gets the he gets the bells and whistles that the franchise hands down to him, but that operator. He's the operator of that restaurant, and he's the one that's making it so fast. One shaking my hand when I go to breakfast, right? And yeah, and at the end yeah. of the day, that's what where the productivity comes from. So these levels in business that we're talking about here, franchisee, trucking, construction, all of it, that's the that's that's the American way. There's no way around it. I, you know, the, the, I mean, unless you want to go to a place where you don't have any freedom. What you have instead is exactly. safety. So you just, you just, have, all you, everyone just got to do the thing. 
Okay. Do I want my safety or do I want some more freedom? Right. I just go all the way to the right and I'm a freedom guy. I don't want any, anything. Right. You can look at the last email I sent my company, how we're, you know, going to push back against compliance on certain things. Right. Because, you you know, like the country is only going to stand so much tyranny before the American way. Right. The revolutionary way. Remember that the the tea taxes and is what caused the Revolutionary War. Like that's the American way, not this. and, And trucking, by the way, trucking is the most freedom right we're all in trucking to get away from something you know get on the road like that lifestyle truck right. is a lifestyle and whether you're doing that to get away from you know your wife or your kids or you're trying to you know or you're doing it as solo just to go out into the you know into the wild and do something build something that's what it's all about yeah right so all that yeah. regular and all, and all a lot of these people they're just confused like, there's a lot of people that get real confused and they and they you know they veer off course because of you know they start to lose their way because had a freight recession or whatever the case right but at the end of the day if you just stick to you know principles you know hard work you know study learn more all that then you, then you'll be fine but these guys are confused I, I agree Fred jump in looks like you got a comment. Yeah, uh, to TJ's point, th- these people want all the benefits and none of the responsibility. Th- so that seems to be it, yeah. If you want all the benefits and none of the responsibility, then become a company driver and deal with it. And as far as I, – I wasn't on the call when this guy Rich was on, but as far as a living wage and, and, a, and a, we, all have, we all have our cross to bear in anything we do, no matter what, what decisions we make, there's, there's ramifications. There's always – a uh, a a reaction for our action. Yeah. So, am I, am I, you lost me. No, go ahead. Yeah. There's always there's always a a a, an, a reaction for our action. So when we do something, there's always going to be a, a, a downside or an upside to it. It's choices that we make. So if you choose to 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 spend the money and go in business, great. But then understand what comes along with that. There's 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 risks and and rewards. And yeah. like DJ said. The, the the managerial is where you're going to succeed. If you manage the business well, you're going to succeed. Period. You know, all the, all this makes sense. And when I had Rich on here, when I've gotten into this discussion with other people, all I try to get is one answer from them, and I can never get the answer. And I've asked Rich this many, many times, not never in live here, but he, he's gone, so I never got an answer. But I've asked him in many discussions before. Why do you want to take away my choice to work this way? How in the world does this hurt anybody that I choose to go into business with the rules the way they are, whether I lease to a carrier, get my own authority, work with a broker? Why do you want to take those choices away from me? And I can't get an answer from anybody. You well, have the choice. Go do what saying, you want. Kevin, what, what, they're, what they're saying is they want an equal playing field. They I want an know equal what that playing means. field. I don't understand what that means, too, but that's their, that's their pushback. Or they deflect to five mm-hmm. things, five mm-hmm. other things that are wrong. So you know, I, I it, go ahead. 
Well, yeah, I was just going to say, it seems to me like they, they claim that, it, I mean, I'm talking Rich specifically right now with his argument, that the carrier that you want to lease to has too much control. It's their contract. They have too much control. You have to either sign it or not, which to me seems logical and fine. But then their answer to me always seems like, well, let's just give that control to somebody else. We're either going to give that control to our employer if we go become an employee. We're going to give it to the union if we join a union. Now we have our employer and our union fighting about whose rules we're going to use. And then if none of that works, they want to go to the government and give them the control. Kevin, the best advice I give to people who are going into a new company, whether it be a company driver uh, an, an owner-operator lease to a carrier is minimize your list of no's. And what I mean is don't go in there and say, I don't do this, I don't do that, I don't do this. Go in there and try to be an asset and help them along because if they succeed, you succeed. And if you succeed enough and you want to go out on your own, like I think uh, it was Peter up here who wants to get his own authority, that, that that's that's where you should be. You should be you should not going to, into a place. It's like coming into my house and then telling me, I should change my drapes or I, uh, yeah, I should exactly. pull up my carpet. Right. Yeah, it's insane. All right, we've got a lot of people that want to jump in here. Uh, Neil, jump in with your comment, and then Nick, you're up next. Go ahead and unmute yeah. yourself. I had more of a generic question. Was I think you guys touched on it, but I remember when I started driving a very long time ago, uh, there was a culture in trucking. You know, you, your trainer was like, it wasn't about, well, this rule and that rule. It was, this is how you take your staples out of your logbook. This is how you get around every rule to do your job. You know, the the, cult, the culture was like independence. Like you were escaping the, the corporate overlord, you know, and even the culture and the, and the carriers was different. It was, it was very much independent and, you know, anti-government and anti-regulation, you know. Yeah, we have to follow what we have to to stay out of jail. But my God, you were doing everything you could to get around everything that was there. And well, it just yeah, we seems that's completely truckers. different. We were called outlaw yeah. truckers. And, and yeah. look, I, I will tell you that attitude <laughs> even existed within the union. My, my father was a union driver for years and years, but he hated rules. They used to do all kinds of crazy stuff. They would take on the old mechanical engines, they would take vice grips and clamp the return fuel line to force more fuel back into the engine to get a little more power out of them. And they used to crush the fuel lines all the time. I mean, it was... Uh, you know, I used to ride with my dad in the truck, which was completely against company and union policy, but we used to do it all the time. You're right. Even even the union drivers back then were not rule followers. All right, Nick, you're up next. Jump in here. Yeah. Um, to me, what this all boils down to with this broker transparency and all the things we're talking about, ultimately, they want more money for less effort. That's the gist of it. They want an easy button for trucking. Yeah. What's going yeah, what, what's right. to happen? What's going to happen if we have an easy button where any Joe Blow can come into this industry, jump in a truck and make a shitload of money? Everybody's going to do it. And we're going to be right back to the where we started, where you're not making any money. Correct. Because that's how that's how free markets work. That's how supply and demand works. You are absolutely correct. And it, you're right. It, it is a race to the bottom. 
They don't like competition. And and I don't know how old some of these people are. Some of the people I argue with are my age. And, and I just wonder where did this anti-competitive nature come from, especially in trucking. Like Neil said, there used to be this culture. I, I don't remember I don't remember a bunch of wussies who had who always needed a bunch of rules to level the playing field. You just went out and you compete and that's what makes us all better. Yeah, they, they just yeah. need to realize that if they ever get what they want, they're going to be right back to square one because everybody's going to be in this industry. So yeah. anyway, we we beat this, we beat this topic pretty pretty. Uh, it's a dead horse, there's no doubt. Hey, but, um, one thing about this, hey Kevin, you mentioned that yeah. they these lease contracts are too restrictive. Like just get just go to another carrier. There's like all these different places now. So then you have to ask yourself, you ask yourself, why Why can't they go to another carrier? And I'll tell you why. It's because they don't have a paid off truck or they don't have the ability to pay off the truck or they don't want to ruin their credit. Whatever it is, it's a financial problem that's making them, you know, they, and that's on them. You know, if you sign a bad lease contract, yes, it, you got to get out of it. Right. And I can help you get out of it. No, you missed the mark on this one. Because Rich oh. told us exactly why it doesn't do any good to go sign another lease contract. He said they are all exactly the same. Well, that's the hogwash because that's I got a different good. lease contract than, than, than England has. And you know what I'm saying? So that, there's like you just got to move along. Yeah, like there's a certain thing that you, you do in life. And it's called cut your losses. You cut your losses quickly. The quicker you learn from your mistakes and move along, the faster you're going to learn. I've tried everything in this business. I tried this and I tried that. And sometimes I hit the nail on the head and other times I lose my ass. But one thing that I always do is I keep moving. I never stop. And I would never sit in a lease contract that was, you know, paying me out two, three hundred dollars a week. I would walk away. I'd figure something else out. I would eat the cost of the truck. I'd do anything. I'd do that on principle. If I got on one of these and I owed a bunch of money on the truck, and I, I would leave on principle, right? Sometimes you just got – sometimes you got to keep it real. Now, sometimes keeping it real goes wrong, but you, you always got to keep it real. I agree. Justin, you're up next. Jump in here. Tell us what's on your hey, mind Hey, good morning, today. Kevin. How's it going? Morning. Um, I was just curious. I've been listening here and there. I don't know what other topics you guys covered today, but um, I was just curious about your thoughts on uh, Vivek uh, and his trip to Iowa uh, on the 21st. My only regret is that I missed it by about a week. I, I could, If I would have known that was happening, I could have ran right through it. I would have loved to try to get a, an interview with him. I, I think it's pretty damn cool. Even if you can't, I, I'm pretty sure, you know, I, I know people who know people. If you got a question, like you really want to get like direct to him, we could probably try and get that on a list somewhere. Um, but yeah, anyone listening, if you, if you haven't registered for the event, even if you can't attend, um, you'll be able to, to live stream it and submit questions to him that he can uh, answer all the while there. I, I, you know, I, I'm a little nervous. I, I think it's a very cool event. I, I'm a little nervous because I've seen these things that kind of make the, the mainstream media, or at least we get some news coverage down there. Um, I, I hope we get good representation from uh, both drivers, employee drivers, and small business owners there. I, I hope we don't get um, just the loose cannons who want to bitch about everything. Yeah, I don't know who all will be in attendance, but it is truck drivers only, so there won't be. It's not going to be like an ATA panel. Um, there was there was right, another right. 
politician in um, Iowa. Was it Iowa? Yeah, I believe it was Iowa. Yeah, one of their like local uh, senators. She's been basically just meeting with trucking companies and parroting all the same, you know, eighty thousand drivers short. Yeah, whole right. thing. So yeah, it'll be it'll be fun to see yeah. politicians talking to actual drivers. Yeah, I, I'm excited about it, and I'm glad it's him as well because. I, you know, I, I kind of have mixed feelings about him. There are some issues that maybe I'm not all that in well aligned with him. But but the one thing I really like about Vivek is he is saying everything that needs to be said. Uh, I doubt that he's got any shot of getting into office this time around. But he's he's so young um, that that we've got lots of time. I I, I hope he becomes a. Uh, a force in politics and i think he will be and i'm glad he's doing this hey kevin did you hear the cnn anchor what that guy said about him no oh my god they said they said we really got to worry you know i'm just i'm not quoting but he said basically we got to really really worry about this you know this right-wing conspiracy nut job vivek because he's going to be around for 50 years spewing the same same stuff that you know that that Uh, trump or whoever uh, else does but he's right. He's the guy's right. Right on. He's saying it out loud, which um, you know it's crazy because you know what happens to people that talk it too loud. I don't consider him far right at all. In fact, if I have any disagreements with him, it might be because he moves a little too close to the middle for me. I just yeah, think he's sure. saying stuff that that makes sense. All right, we've got a. A uh, couple more speakers I want to get in here. Uh, Austin, uh, you're in here now. Go ahead and unmute yourself and jump in and tell us what's on your mind. Can you hear me? I can. Go ahead. Hey, um, I've got a question about something, and I want to go over something with you if you have time for that. Sure. Go ahead. I am in the group coaching with you. I talked to you on Thursday. I'm the guy that was looking at buying another truck and adding it to my yeah. So. Yeah. I went over my expenses this weekend and I submitted everything and I'll tell you that I uh, need some working to do before I get a truck. I'm only profiting 80 cents a mile and I'm at $1.23 as expenses and I think okay. that's really so, bad and I need um, to fix that. Yeah, but I, well, I'll give you some encouragement. I don't think it's really bad. Well, I, I don't think, it, I mean, it, it, it needs some improvement. I wouldn't say it's really bad. And doesn't it feel better now that you've done this and, and you yes. can see what you're doing? Yeah, and I do want to add that I bought a trailer in November. Well, that was October. Well, I maybe it was, it was like October 1st is when I kind of bought it. And, okay. well, I got kind of hosed on the deal. Now, I had DOT inspections done on this. I even paid somebody to go down and do a DOT inspection. I've put $12,000 into this trailer. Like, there, this is a crazy amount of money that I've dumped into this trailer. What What kind of trailer is it? It's a step deck. And Wow, what did it need $12,000 well, worth of? Okay, so when I picked it up, there was no shocks on the trailer whatsoever. They were just completely gone. The whole frame of the trailer had to be re-welded. And there was an air leak and a bad brake chamber and a bride airbag and all kinds. So, of- so uh, who who did you hire to do a DOT inspection? Uh, a Love's truck stop. And the guy was 20 years into the thing. He'd done it for 20 years. How did he miss all this? I, I, this doesn't uh, even sound I, like it was safe to be on the road. No, it wasn't. Uh, honestly, because the guys that sold me the trailer at the dealer, they also did their own DOT inspection. And... I think what they did is that they knew that there was problems with these trailers 
and so they they basically passed it and then i think they had to have put that guy off or something and told him hey don't tell this guy here's like a hundred bucks just fill it out and don't tell him you know incompetence is one thing and i know we're dealing with a lot of incompetence these days but this if if you're what you're describing is true this is just outright fraud well the the abs light was stripped too like it wasn't even plugged like someone cut it like with scissors like you could you know when someone turns the ABS light off because it was on. They didn't want to fix it, so they cut the wire. And I know that's Unbel- what- Un- unbelievable. Well, and it was a 2020 trailer. Like it was basically brand oh, new. Oh, you're kidding! I think somebody abused this trailer. But I'm not- yeah, obviously. I took it to extreme in Dover, Ohio, and they're probably one of the best people I've honestly ever worked with because they're doing about $7,500 worth of work for $1,500. So so I. I guess the so, you know, TJ was talking about this earlier and I talk about it all the time. Business is difficult. Business is risky. And we learn from our mistakes. And that's about the only I mean, we can learn from reading and we can learn from somebody else's experience. But ultimately, our best lessons, we we always learn from our own mistakes because they're painful. So I, I guess the lesson here is if you had to do this over. Uh, I, I would have somebody from that company that you're working with now do your trailer inspections. Yeah, I know. Well, I got hoses on that one, and I, I, I hate to take credibility for it, but I did purchase it. And oh no, that's that. It, it, the, the good news is whether we make the mistake or not, we should always take responsibility for it because that's the only way we can fix it. Yeah, it took me some hard work to take credibility for that one because I was. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. A, I mean, that, to buy a trailer and put that much money into it and obviously lose uh, all this time. I mean, I was able to get a van through Landstar just while my trailer's down, well, which is good. So. Yeah. Well, um, here, let me let me make you feel a little worse about this. Let, let's put a little more pain on this so okay. so you really learn the lesson. This is exactly what David Dave Ramsey refers to as a stupid tax. Yeah. You just paid a stupid tax. Yeah, basically. But, I mean, yeah. once it's all fixed, you know, I probably won't have any problems with this trailer for a long time. So, I mean... No, the, you know, the good news about trailers is they're fairly simple uh, machines, and you're right. Once you get it fixed and you take care of it, the trailer should not be much of a of an expense at all. No, which I'm, you know, glad because, I mean, as a low-pro step, you can make pretty pretty decent money with yeah. if you know how to do it. Um, exactly. So, I want to get my profit up to a dollar oh five a mile. I know I told you a dollar fifty. I don't know why I threw that out there because I honestly just didn't know. And I thought, right. But right. after I drove eighty four thousand miles and looked at that, I thought, well, I'd have a lot more money if I drove that much. <laughs> I mean, yeah, um, yeah. I think based on what I'm hearing from you, what I know from the call the other day, I think a dollar five is a, a a really good goal. That's much more achievable. Right, and. Since it's the new year, I mean, New Year's, start out new, you know, wipe this year off. I mean, I did owe a lot of money. I mean, back in J- January, I wrecked my truck in November. I had a really bad experience in this guy that lived in Montana. He took my truck, took 8000 never fixed the truck. It was just, a, it was a mess. And um, I've run into some problems the last year. I haven't had the best luck. Okay. Um, and I was working from June to April. I didn't work. So... And I try to live, you know, the, the uh, what do they call it, the dirtbag life, just like ski yeah. and ski bum around. It didn't work too well for me. <laughs> yeah. So okay. didn't enjoy that life. 
my biggest thing is is I kind of live in an area that's not desired for freight. I live in Bozeman, Montana, which is it's a fun yeah, town. Right. I love it. But I feel like if I really want to focus on my business, I need to move. Uh, that's that's a good realization to come to. I have moved my business several times over my career for better opportunities. But as much as I want to move, I, I like living there. But if it costs me so, like it's like an, a, a, an apart, a studio apartment there is like twenty two hundred dollars. It's it's like living in New York City. It's kind of it's kind of insane. It's not even fair. If you're looking for another option, get yourself a, a reasonably priced price travel trailer put it in a long-term spot somewhere and get through there once in a while when you feel like it that's kind of what i want to do or get a van or something i mean that's kind of what i i yeah. like but I, I i see my folks my parents and my family live in ohio and ohio is so much better for freight like i'm i could run the northeast the east yeah, the midwest and like make pretty decent like really good money and never basically leave um, yeah and i think what i'm seeing myself is I'm driving too many miles, but I'm not making enough profit. I think that I'm doing these long distance coast to coast trips, and I don't think that I'm profiting enough off of these trips. Well, well and it, it here, here's exactly why you're not, and why you you all of a sudden realize that that's what's happening. You took the time to do the numbers. You did the numbers, and now it's obvious. And, and before, you didn't really have a plan or a model and it wouldn't have done you any good to have a plan or a model because without numbers, you don't know if your plan's working. Right. And I thought it was. So working. you were just randomly taking freight. Oh, there's a good load. I'll take that one. Oh, that looks like a decent rate. I'll take that one. But you, you really had no plan and you had no way of measuring whether those were good loads or no. not. Now you have the way to measure all this. Yes. And I need to do a better job. That's the bottom line. I need, Perfect. I need to work on a lot of things. And I really want to get it up to a dollar five before I get this new truck. I want to do the new truck by March, and I think that's a reasonable goal. Yep, I agree. Hey, you know what I love most about this story? What? I, I was pretty hard on you the other day in that call, and and you stood right up to it. You didn't even get upset about it, and you came back with the answer. Nope. I'm I'm pretty good at at helping people in business knowing whether they're going to succeed or not. And I, I can tell you, you'll make it. You'll I, do just I really fine. want to make it. That's, that's I want to work mm -hmm. as hard as I can. I mean, I've been on the road since June, really busting my ass. You're you're gonna do just fine. You're just you're gonna keep learning. You're gonna keep making mistakes. the The goal is don't make a big enough mistake that it puts you out of business. All the other mistakes are good. Yeah. Just don't make one that's big enough to put you out. Yeah. Buying a new truck. If I. That's why when I buy this truck, I'm gonna. I mean, my limit is 70 grand. I think for 70, I can get a pretty decent truck with pretty low miles. In in today's world, 50 gets you an excellent truck. 70 gets you all kinds of truck today. Yeah, I'm looking at about a 2021, 2022 Volvo with a 264 gears. That's kind of what I want, or 247 gears, the one that has oh. a lower gear ratio. I don't. Well, you're 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 on the right track. I I don't know if that's sustainable for the flatbed i mean that's what i pull so i don't it, we can absolutely spec a volvo to pull whatever you're pulling with no problem i mean we've looked at it i, I honestly believe now 
that even well over a hundred thousand pounds, looking at operations that are doing a hundred and forty to a hundred and sixty thousand pounds, I think Volvo's drivetrain by far is the best on the market to do that with. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Um, would I want to look at maybe a lower top or a high top for for fl- pulling a flat? Uh, uh, you you want a a mid roof at best, and that's just to give you some space inside. The most um, efficient would be a flat top but i i'd go with the mid roof okay because i have a high roof right now because when i bought mine i was playing so for vans that's ideal for uh step deck flatbed kind of stuff you'll lose anywhere from three to five tenths to have that oh wow yeah and that's a couple thousand dollars a year yeah i'm trying to save my fuel because my fuel i added that uh i did a fleet air filter but i'm not really seeing an increase i don't i don't know there's some other things i can probably add but Oh, there's there's always stuff. When it's time to work on fuel mileage, just give me a call. Yeah, okay, that's my next thing. But I don't know if I want to dump a mon- bunch of money into this truck necessarily right now. If I'm planning on buying another that, truck soon, that that would be part of the calculations that we do for all of the modifications we talk about, whether it's a fleet air filter, a flow below an OPS and synthetic oil, we know what the break-even point is on all those things based on a certain number of miles or time. So I I could look at you and say, look, if you're not going to buy the new truck till March, um, this modification makes sense, but this one doesn't. I mean, we know all the numbers. Okay, well, another time maybe we can take a look at that and we can focus on that. Sounds good. Thank you for letting me speak. All right. Reed, you're up next. Jump in here. What's on your mind this morning? Joe. What's up? Hey, how are you this morning? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm doing a bunch of stuff, but yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm just hanging out, honestly. I forgot, even forgot my hand was raised. But, uh, yeah. but hey, while, while, while I have this platform, um, I'm going to plug, I'm going to plug this thing I'm doing on Wednesday for all the logistics enjoyers out there uh doing a space about uh, this red sea situation so everyone should come it's at uh, 10 a.m eastern time on wednesday uh, 10 a.m eastern time i can be in there for about the first 45 minutes yeah i mean and then i just and, and i want to this is uh this is a topic i'm really interested in did you hear my open this morning no i didn't on this Okay, so I threw out um, three topics, and the independent contractor rule was the one we jumped on because Rich, I, I thought he wanted to discuss it, but then he left, so we didn't get to talk much. I threw out the broker transparency. Nobody's really jumped on that one. The other one that I brought up, my first one, was ocean shipping and what's going on. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. I, 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 I picked in you know, a modest amount, but in the last couple of days, obviously, last month really since all these attacks have started i've been paying and so i think it's going to be be really good uh space hey did did you read the book the end of the world is just the beginning i have not oh my god you have got to read it before you host that space do you wonder do you know what the book's about not okay let me explain it to you and you you should really go read this book before your space so Peter Zehan, which I, I have a feeling I don't agree with much of his politics at all from what I can get. This is is this his book? Yes. I've listened to some of his stuff. I've not I don't think I've read one of his books, but I I, I know I know him decently. So, anyway, go on. Yeah, in this book, his premise is that 
our our global supply chain, our worldwide shipping is about to come to an end. And that's what he mean. The he, when he says the end of the world, he's talking about our global supply chain, how complicated it is and how we move all these products and pieces all over the world because we can and it's cheaper to take, you know, this part and build it here because they have all the raw resources, but then we're going to move it over to this country so they can finish it because they have an advantage there. And we've created this. And he says the only reason we were able to create it was after World War II, the U.S. built such a powerful Navy that we could guarantee all these ships would be able to travel all around the world safely. And he's saying that's going to come to an end. And part of it is because we don't have enough people in the world and these systems are going to start to collapse and that this worldwide global shipping will end and we'll all go back to our local economies. I mean, that that's his major premise in that book. And when we look around, we're, we're starting to see some of that come true. Yeah, I mean, well, it's it's interesting to tie that sort of idea into, you know, all the nearshoring trends we're seeing and just the, the downstream effects it would have on just domestic transportation in general. Right. Because um, I think I don't I don't know, but I feel like after thinking about it for 15 seconds, it might be good for 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 maybe everyone in this room. <laughs> you know, here's a really so when I was reading the book. And like I say, I probably disagree with a lot of his political beliefs, but he had me completely convinced that this was going to happen. He makes such a good argument for it all. And then when I got off, you know, I finished the book and I started thinking about it. I'm like, well, that is just a crazy, crazy thought. Um, but then the good news, there was some really good news for us. He compares all the the countries around the world and how they would fare if this were to happen in some places it would just be total devastation they they have no resources they they would be in real trouble he claims and he, and he makes some good arguments for it that the united states by far better than any country anywhere else in the world would not only survive this but would actually thrive yeah uh, geo well i mean uh, being a continent surrounded by water on both sides right. and, right. Uh, frankly, a, a friend. But, you know, if Canada were to go against us, I don't think it'd be the biggest deal. Uh, and Mexico has yeah. got its own issues down there. Um, right. He he makes it sound like we would basically annex Canada and Mexico and we would become the, the global powerhouse again. But it, it, it I mean, you're not really a global powerhouse if you're an enclosed country. But he says between Canada and Mexico, they have some of the resources we wouldn't have and we don't need to ship across oceans to get them. Yeah. And and our largest geopolitical rival china is surrounded like everyone surrounding china basically hates them so exactly he uh, said china would be in horrible shape. yeah yeah so no that's interesting and i think uh i'm i'm excited uh, on wednesday to talk with guys who actually know what they're talking about i'm more just like playing the listener and a question asker but um no it's it's gonna be it, it'll be interesting to see what they say about 
kind of these current events and if that's uh kind of pointing to what we're talking about happening more in the future so it should be it should be really good yeah if i i'm gonna try to jump in for a half hour 45 minutes on that day if i can i'm gonna pin a link in here so if people want to subscribe or whatever the hell it is uh, uh rsvp then I'll, I'll pin it up top thank you all right hey fred i just saw your hands been up for a while but, uh... and i'm very tired too Hey, good morning, Reed. Good seeing you. Um, I wanted, I had a question. Is uh, Andrew, is it Andrew still on the space? I think he dropped down. Uh, I just wanted to know if he was somewhat mechanically inclined because um, that, that really would alleviate a lot of his a lot of his headaches uh, that he's had in the last year and a half. But um, uh, I, two things I wanted to say is, you know, don't do your numbers. This is everyone else's fault. That's number one. <laughs> and number two is, you know, since the super trucker that I am has been out of the market for three months, I mean, shouldn't rates be like at $5 a mile now? I mean, read, tell, talk to you, me, brother. You mean they're not? Uh-oh, what just happened? I can hear you. I hear you. Oh, I see what happened. Never mind. I see what happened. Um, who did I just... Terrence, I just brought hey, you in here. Jump what's in. What's up, man? I hey. got a quick question for you off topic. Uh, I got sure, go ahead. Uh, they want to do a tra uh, transfusion on Leanne. I think that's a good idea, blood transfusion. Uh, hemoglobin is really low. Yeah. Yeah, I would okay. do that. I, I, just, I, was, yeah, she, you know, I was thininking about it, and I but, just didn't know what I feel about it. Yeah, there's... There, there, <sighs> You know my only concern, I hate to even think this way. I bet you it's going to be say, my same concern of getting an infection yeah. or something, right? Well, I'm not even worried about an infection because we're pretty good at screening our blood supply for that kind of stuff. And there's no real downside to an infusion. It, it's all positive for her, and she could use it right now. I, I'm worried about, Did have they done anything to protect our, our blood supply from the vax? Uh, no, that they have because she's been vaccinated, so... Already, yeah, and, but, and that's right. But even if I were vaccinated, I, I wouldn't want blood that hadn't been screened for that because this is a a dose dependent problem. The more of that vax you get, right. the more boosters yep. you get, the more problems there yeah. are. So, I I, I don't okay. know. I, I I would be worried about transfusions only because of that. But other than that, this would be a good thing for us. She probably needs okay, it. Okay, cool. I appreciate it. All right, so I, I got a comment on that guy that was talking about, you know, wanting uh, with the lease and all that. It sounds, yeah. and this is my opinion, it's, for the sounds of it, it sounds like he's in a place where, that, like, the, the, the Newark, the ports and all that, they're notorious for slowdowns. And they want the union in that place full. They hate outside non-union trucks coming in there. And they slow right. down for that. So it sounds to me like they're just pushing the union. He's realizing that they're not going to get anywhere fast down there. With them working and, and 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 maybe they're trying to organize the whole. They tried it out in California. What with the yeah, as, oh no doubt. As, what what I don't understand is these people who complain about this contract is too restrictive. The carrier has too much control. They got to write the contract. I don't get to. I don't have any say in the contract. But they're okay with unions having that much control. <laughs> I don't get it. That's just like when I worked for merchants. I, I, Wait, I, I, I signed a contract. I'm going to haul these appliances into this house at this rate per stop, and that was it. You know what I mean? I couldn't go, well, no, I want this much to do this stop. Oh, well, oh, well actually, since you brought up merchants and I'm so familiar with their system, 
I saw Rich complaining about a very similar setup, and he said it's absolutely criminal. Not only do I have to buy the truck, I have to hire an employee to work with me. <laughs> well, of course you do, unless you can figure out how to get a refrigerator in a house by yeah, yourself. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> so why is that a problem that this particular contract requires you to hire an employee? If you don't want to have an employee, don't sign this contract. Yeah, and, and you know what it is? I think you said it too, Kevin. You touched base on someone else might have too. And I and I was I'm I'm, I'm a perfect example of it. I mean, I was dumb. I was twenty something years old. I I thought I'm gonna get my own truck. That's you know what I mean. I I dove into it. You know what I mean. I I, I mean I great made good money at merchants, but when I went and bought my my big my over the road truck, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I had no clue. Right. And 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 and. Yeah. and and that's what it is. People, you know, I think these people are getting these, you know, false premises, or, or even, you know, they're just hearing about it and they're diving into it and not and not knowing anything about it. So, and and, and who's to blame for that? Everyone's going, well, they got misled. No, if you, we, we all know now, most of us, you've got to do your homework before you dive into something. You know? Why do you sign a contract that you don't agree with? <laughs> just move on. True. But to sign it, and then from what I gathered, he ran off so fast I didn't get a lot of answers out of him. But from what I gathered, he was doing this for four years. Yeah, I don't think it took that out long and do that. All right, Kev, I know I, I took it off topic. I just I appreciate your info on the, the transfusion. Now I'll let someone else get in here, man. I'll, I'll just listen. Thank you, Kev. All right. Yep. Good talking to you. Rick, it's your turn. Yeah, hey, Kevin. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm a new listener. Great to have you here. What's on your mind today? Yeah, well, I I'm, I don't know if today's the day f for this, Today, but today's a free for all. We can talk okay. about anything. Okay, cool. I sent you guys a uh, oil sample result. All right, yeah, that's about mean, a week ago you... now. Oh, a week ago. Yeah. Where did you send it? Uh, um, the email that it's supposed to. I think the the help let, email. Let me see. Uh, if we can find that, we get an awful lot. So something that's a week old might be hard to find. Yeah, you know, I tried calling last week, but I uh, it said you were offline, and then all of a sudden Friday it said you're you're on Twitter now to do all this. So yeah, all right. uh, number I'm, I'm asking to see if we can go back and find that. If we okay. if some, if somebody's available to go back and look for it, I'm going to need some way to identify it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's just um, my email address, rickanderton33 at okay. gmail. Got it. Okay, so we'll see. I'm going to put you back on hold, uh, and we will look for that. We'll see if okay. I can. Uh, actually, I'm just going to mute you. I'll leave you in as a speaker. I'm just going to mute you, and then you can just unmute when we come back. Uh, so I will go to Brandy this time. Brandy, unmute yourself and jump in and... Tell me what's on your mind. Uh, Brandy, are you there? You've got to unmute yourself. I don't believe I can unmute anybody. I can't. Hey, Kevin, this is yeah. TJ. You know, you know how, like, when the lease purchasing became a problem for the carriers, how they just opened a third-party leasing company and they just went right around the, <laughs> the whatever, right? So imagine, imagine on the broker transparency how easy it'll be for shippers, brokers, receivers, truckers, everybody to go around that if they really did. It, 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 it will be it and they, they will absolutely do it. Okay. Yeah, I'm so here. it's like, there she is. Um, so I, your hey, topic. Hey, hey, 
Hey, Brandy. Yeah. Are you on a headset? I am. Take the boom and lower it down under your chin. Okay, how about now? That's much better. Go ahead. So your topic on the Red Sea, uh, listening uh, to Mir Safadi's, um, he lives in Israel. They're saying they're actually shipping this by truck via, uh, with Saudi Arabia's approval so that they don't have to uh, deal with um, the Houthis in Yemen. I didn't know if you knew that or not, but I decided to add that to it. Yeah, I mean, I understand what's going on over there. That's a whole nother issue I didn't want to get get uh, involved in. The Houthis are are Iranian-backed, and our administration is making billions of dollars available to Iran right now. That makes absolutely no sense. He also said that uh, the Eisenhower is now headed into the Red Sea to um, bring some enforcement there. Yeah, which means getting us deeper and deeper into some kind of world war. Yeah, that's all. I just wanted to add that because that was your topic. It it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me that we're funding a group that we're also fighting. It's par for the course around here. Uh, It's just insanity. How does this make any sense? We've got Iran behind most of these attacks funding all these groups and these attacks and we're funding iran be honest i think that if we really wanted to you know fight a world war we should just tighten up what we dole out to all the other countries like that would stop a lot of this in its tracks if we just stopped with all the handouts to other countries that's that's my solution absolutely and and not just because we don't want to help other countries, but there's a basic premise that you can't help anybody else until you help yourself. And we're 30, I can't even keep track of it anymore. What are we, 34, $35 trillion in debt now? And are we have no southern border? And why are we funding all of these other countries to protect their borders when we haven't even protected our own and we're broke? Yeah, it's hey, crazy. Hey, a lot of a lot of this carrier action and why we're over in the Gulf is because there's still quote unquote American citizens that haven't been released yet. So we're there for the American citizens, not really to prop up any regimes or any any uh, any allies. So that's why the carrier groups are over there in the Gulf because we still have citizens that haven't been accounted for that were kidnapped, whether they're Israeli, U.S. or whatever, whatever they're, but they are U.S. citizens. So that's really the main reason we're over. Fred, if that's the case, Fred, devil's advocate here, if that's the case, um, when everyone was trapped behind enemy lines in Afghanistan, what did we do? And there like a thousand citizens plus a bunch of them. We left like them. We, we just no, leave them. I though. Know. So I why is it different? What you're saying, TJ, and I, listen, this, these, these are these are policy decisions. These are decisions made, and you know maybe maybe they're maybe they're going over there to like like uh, you can argue what Roosevelt did with Pearl Harbor, you know, give them an enticing target so that draws us into the war. So there, there could be a, a, a number of reasons. I'm just telling you why we send carrier groups into certain areas at on these hotspots and stuff like that. And and if that is the case, why do we continue to fund Iran to, to make it more dangerous for us to go in there and try to fix the problem? Well, you know, Kevin, this, this goes back to policy. This goes back to Obama and everything else. They they feel that if they if they can make them, you know, what, what we did with China, if we can make them more like us, they won't be as nefarious. Well, they don't well, wait understand a minute. Some, that this is a religious some, this is a religious war and, and that they, no matter so, what they do over there, they're not gonna change. 
something's backfiring because I think we're starting to end up more like the Chinese than they're starting to end up like us. Well, sure. But that would that was the whole premise of why we let them into the World Trade Organization. I mean, wouldn't from from what you can gather, wouldn't people like um, Rich from New Jersey wouldn't I mean, isn't what they're asking for more like a Chinese run commerce system than ours? Well, they, they, you know, a lot of these people are used to crony capitalism. They used to propping up agencies and funding agencies and, and, and infrastructure that that shouldn't that should I mean, just have a free market system. Well, they're they're asking for the the Motor Carrier Act of 1980 to go away, and I, I can only assume that they think the government would do a better job of setting rates than the free market does. That's that's kind of more like a Chinese model. Yeah, it doesn't work. For hey, me. Rick, I've, Rick, I've, yeah, I've got your oil sample here. If you want to jump in, we got it. Okay, thank you. All right. Uh, First off, this is a lab I've never seen before. So give me just a minute to try to figure some some things out here. Yeah, uh, I know it doesn't look good because they left a note for me about about the coolant. Are you using any kind of oil additives? No. This is a, a new truck for me, too. It's 2018, but what uh, the oil what, was brand new when I bought it. They, they had changed the oil. What weight of oil is in here? You know, I I don't know because it was it was changed when I bought it, so I don't. Well, they're, they're saying the viscosity is high, but how can they know if the viscosity is high if you didn't tell them what kind of oils in here? Yeah, they just kind of. I think they guessed I mean, at that because they didn't ask me on the yeah they paperwork. That, don't use this oil anymore. Or this sample lab. I've never seen them before. I have no idea who this is. Okay. But, oh, wait a minute. They're assuming that this is a 5W30, and, and you're telling me you did not tell them that. Yeah, exactly. I didn't. Yeah, see, that's wrong. It, because yeah. if this is a 1540, then your viscosity is fine. But if we don't know what weight it is, we can't guess at the viscosity. There's my first problem. The, yeah. the issue here, though, I can at least give you an answer. You have coolant intrusion. You have coolant getting into your engine somewhere. Yeah, that's why I called. What should I do? Well, you got. Do you have a good shop that you trust to troubleshoot this? Yes, I do. Okay, then you you just take it to your shop and say my oil sample indicates that I have coolant in my oil. Mm-hmm. Tell me where it's coming from and fix it. And they and you know I could give you a troubleshooting tree for most engines on where we should start, but that's why I asked. If you have a shop with a good relationship, you should just ask them. They should have their own troubleshooting process and tree to figure out. It could be a, an oil cooler, could be an EGR cooler, uh, could be a cracked head, a head gasket. There's lots of places. Okay, uh, it could be injector cups. There's lots of places. It it could be. Sometimes it's as crazy as uh, a, a fuel filter or an oil filter, I'm sorry, a system where we, we have a heater somewhere where we use coolant to heat things. Oh, yeah. And we can get cross-contamination there. Okay. All right. Yeah, they've never done anything more than um, the DOT inspection uh, thing for me and changed some tires. So it's... Well, um pretty new where do you you spend most of your time running with the truck uh the western states okay so getting to pittsburgh is not convenient 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, yeah. I would stay on top of the shop since you're not familiar with them doing deeper troubleshooting and mechanical yeah. work. Like I would ask them yeah. right up front, uh-huh. tell me where you're going to look first and why. Okay. All right. And, and you, you, you might want to call us and I'll, I'll kind of help you through this, but you, you may want to guide them to make sure they don't end up putting in 20 hours and then telling you they can't figure anything out. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I've, I've taken other, other um, um, requirements that I needed, like uh, thermostat needed to be changed, some sensors, to tech equipment. Um, they've, you know, they've done some good work for me too, but it, you, you may want to try them then. It sounds like they've done a little bit more mechanical work and you've been happy so far. Yeah. Yeah. It, here's, here's another thing I would do. I would get on the phone. I would call both shops and have your list of questions set. But the first question would be, here's what I've got. I have an oil sample that shows I have potassium and sodium in my oil. Mm-hmm. hopefully they understand that that's an indication that you've got coolant. Yeah. If they didn't understand that that would worry me. Yeah, um, exactly. So I would ask them, Hey, I'm showing high potassium and sodium. Don't tell them about the note that's on here. And okay. See if they get it right. And I, I, I honestly, if they got it wrong, I'd move on. I, yeah. I, I don't think I would want to work with a shop that doesn't even understand that. Then my next question yeah. would be, where are you going to look first? Explain to me how you're going to troubleshoot this and why. And then if you want, call me back and I'll tell you which answer I like better. We will see you back here tomorrow. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.